Do you have questions about living with diabetes in South Africa? You're in very good company. Turns out we all do. Welcome to South Africans with Diabetes. I'm Bridget McNulty and today we're going to be answering your questions to help you live a healthy, happy life with diabetes. This podcast is brought to you by Lily. First, a disclaimer. I am not a medical expert. Please discuss any changes you want to make to your diabetes treatment with your doctor. I've been thinking a lot about insulin timing lately, which might seem like a weird comment to make, except that this year, at last, finally, thank heavens, ultra-rapid-acting insulin is coming to South Africa. And now that I know the end is in sight, it's getting pretty freaking annoying having to focus so much on insulin timing. When I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes 14 years ago, I was told to inject as I sat down to eat, which I did for many years until I started wearing a flash glucose monitor and I saw the blood glucose spikes every single time I did that. I've now learned to inject at least 20 minutes before I eat, sometimes 30 to 40 minutes before. But in the olden days, 20, 25 years ago, things were even more complex. Sane Mezabuko was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes 25 years ago. And I wanted to ask her a couple of questions around insulin timing because she has literally lived through it all. Sane, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Bridget. First off, 25 years. That's extraordinary. What has changed in the world of insulin since you were first diagnosed? Yeah, I think, yeah, a lot has definitely changed. Um, I've also seen a lot of different insulin types being introduced um, as opposed to what was available then. And also, I, I think I can safely say that there's been a lot of research done into insulin and how our bodies react to insulin. And also then the awareness on how and when to go about taking insulin. And did they ever explain insulin timing to you? They, it wasn't explained, but I knew that I would have to take my insulin 30 minutes before eating, but I, went, I was never told the why. Why did I need to take the insulin 30 minutes before eating? So I think it was practiced quite a lot when, when I was admitted in hospital, um, where the doctor would say to the nurses, take 20 units of X 30 minutes before meals. And so the funny thing is they would actually bring the meal. So eating time would be, for example, 5 p.m. for dinner. The meal, mm. the meal is still in front of me for that 30 minutes right now. I sit Torture. and wait for that 30 minutes. <laughs> but that was the old-fashioned regular insulin, right? So now the, the rapid acting that we're on now, you should be able to just inject straight away. But I find that if I inject straight away, then I inevitably get a spike. I have to inject and kind of wait for it to kick in before I can start eating, which also drives me nuts. Yeah, but also remember, I don't know how you experienced it, but when I initially got onto the rapid, short acting, I found that my sugar dropped very quickly in, in that in that time. So I felt like I didn't need it for 30 minutes. Okay. My waiting time had to be a bit more reduced. Mm. Um, otherwise, then I would be all over the place. Yeah. And it's so fascinating that it's different for everyone, hey? Our bodies really, really react differently. So you can't say that my sugar is the same as your sugar, the same as your grandmother's sugar. So see about that. <laughs> What's the most frustrating part about having to time your insulin injections for you? I think it's understanding what I'm about to eat mm. and what insulin I need to take for what I'm about to eat. So, yeah. for example, taking I could take six units today to have fish and a salad. But also, that does not mean that I must take six units 
to have, for an example, Putu and my favorite mm. stew. That's mm. a different insulin that I need to take. And I mean, that's a different, uh, different units and also different, um, waiting time as well. Because, um, I was actually explaining to someone that it's like, think of it like, a diabetic is a person sitting at the beach and mm. before you eat, you first need to sort of dig a hole for what you're about to put into your body. <laughs> dig a hole and wait for it to kind of sit before you can start bringing in the food that you want to eat. That's um, such a good analogy. And it feels like <laughs> yeah. that sometimes because you're digging a hole and all you want to do is actually just be able to eat immediately and you can't. Exactly. So apparently these new insulins coming in this year, ultra rapid acting, means you can inject and eat immediately. So like out at a restaurant, you can inject and eat straight away and not have crazy spikes. Or if you've injected the wrong amount and your blood sugar goes high, you can inject and it will immediately start coming down instead of like oh, let me sit with high blood sugar for two hours until it slowly starts coming down in 90 minutes that to two hours. It is insane because that's what we're speaking about. The fact that whatever was happening 25 years ago, there's yeah. been more development, more research, more understanding into the human body and more interventions that makes yeah. diabetes sort of as natural and as normal as possible because you're know, talking about eating out that's also another ball game altogether because also you mm-hmm. can't sit there and and take your shots because you think that the meal will be ready in 10 minutes and then what there if it takes are. i know it takes extra time and then you're in trouble <laughs> all my favorite is when i'm at someone's house and then uh, i start noticing that they're doing the things that i would do just before serving so i'm like oh i'll inject now they'll definitely be <laughs> serving in the next 20 or 30 minutes and an hour later they're still doing the things that i'm like but i need to eat but you don't want to be that weirdo who's like you need to serve me my dinner right now or bad things are going to happen i yeah. have one final question for you an easy one, hopefully. What makes your life sweet? Yo, what makes my life sweet? <laughs> Yo, I think the role that, okay, as a person with diabetes, the role that I've taken to actively let other diabetes know that um, diabetes isn't daunting, I think that makes mm. life sweet. Like, mm. actually, this morning I was chatting to someone who went onto my profile for the first time and they said that, wow, 25 years. I've had diabetes for 10 years and I'm still unable to speak about it. Besides yeah. my immediate family, nobody else knows about. My immediate mm. family and, my, and my, my doctors, nobody else knows about it. And you've given me a bit of courage to, to speak more and to investigate a bit more about my condition. I think that makes my life sweet. The, the, the little bit of change that I make to one extra person, one extra person living with diabetes, giving them the courage to speak about it. I think that really makes my life a bit more sweeter. And and also, just the community that we have built in South Africa yeah. as a whole. Yeah, guys, thank you. Thank you, thank you to the type 1 diabetes. Actually, the, the diabetes community at large yeah. um, for giving us courage to just carry on and doing a bit more research, talking a bit more about our condition and making the next person feel like, you know what, yes, I've got a condition, but it's okay. I can live another 25 years. I can live mm-hmm. another 30 odd years. That makes my life sweet. Oh, thank you so much for joining us here today, Sane. What a treat to talk to you as always. And I am so impressed. Level 25 of diabetes. You are totally rocking it. (laughs) Thank you so much, Bridget. (laughs) What I find so fascinating about things like insulin timing is that we are literally all different. When we asked our community if they inject as they eat or 15 to 30 minutes before, we got pretty much every response under the sun. 
Some people inject 15 minutes before they eat, some 30 minutes before, some as they eat, some just after they eat, some 30 minutes after they eat. And for so many reasons, right? Blood glucose reading at the time, the type of insulin, the speed of eating. There are so many variables. Fazana said she injects just before she eats because you don't know when you're going to eat exactly. And the worst is when you inject and don't eat within the 15-minute time frame. Aaron said he injects after eating because you never know if you're going to finish the food, which is a good point. Lucinda said the same thing. She only injects after she's dished her plate because she's not sure what she's going to eat. And Elrie's was my favorite comment. She said she tries injecting before she eats, but sometimes she's just too damn hungry to wait. For me, the most frustrating thing is that it changes every day. So it depends on the time of day, what I'm eating, how much exercise I've done, what my blood glucose is as I'm about to eat. It's like a super complex math sum. I thought we could try and get some clarity on the issue by chatting to endocrinologist Prof. David Siegel. Thanks for spending time with us today, Prof. Siegel. Always a pleasure, Bridget. And this is such a fascinating topic because it's not so easy to find the right answers to this one. It really isn't. I've been trying and I do not know the answers. So insulin timing, I can see it's important. I can physically see it's important because anytime I inject as I sit down to eat, my blood glucose invariably spikes and then it takes time to come down. What's actually going on with insulin timing? Right. So I think you have to understand how insulin actually works. So first of all, it's we're injecting non-physiological products. So we're injecting insulin that's been modified or highly modified under your skin mm. in a place that isn't your pancreas and isn't getting to your liver fast enough. So it has okay. to be absorbed from under the skin and your absorption characteristics of insulin change from injection to injection, actually, even with the same product. Uh, so there's a variability in how that insulin gets absorbed from under your skin into your bloodstream and then distributed to where it really needs to be, which is peripheral tissues and liver and pancreas. And I think that creates a lot of variability that people aren't aware of, that that's just built into the product. There's intraday variability and intraday variability, even with the same product that you're using. So don't expect the same response every single time you use the same product because you'll beat yourself up over it, but it's not your problem. So that's problem one. Problem two is that it does take time for those molecules, the insulin molecules under the skin once they're deposited there, to be absorbed into the bloodstream. And that can take anywhere from 0 to 30 minutes, but most, if you look at the clinical trials and they're monitoring insulin levels, it takes 15 to 30 minutes for insulin to start appearing in your bloodstream after an injection. But its peak okay. glucose-lowering effect happens later, which is only at about 60 to 90 minutes. So... That means that if you're eating highly processed foods or carbs, they're going to get into your bloodstream faster than your insulin can meet it. And insulin's got two very important jobs to do when you're eating a meal. One is in the time between your last meal and this meal, you've usually stored away your other carbohydrate load, hopefully adequately, and you're now relying on your liver to be releasing glucose back into the system to keep your blood glucose level stable. And while it's doing that, you have a liver producing glucose. And you have to switch that off to meet the incoming carbs and store them away in your liver and in other organ systems. And if you haven't adequately switched off the liver, your liver carries on making glucose while you're trying to store the stuff. 
which means that your blood sugars climb higher because there's too much glucose left in the system. And you'll see it on a CGM tracing because you'll see that glucose curve just climbing almost vertically as you watch what happened after your meal because there wasn't enough insulin to switch off the liver and enough to meet the incoming carbs and store them away as soon as they're entering the bloodstream. So it's a balancing thing of you need the insulin and the amount of carbs to balance out as much as possible. Correct. The bottom line is it takes time for insulin to work. And the old-fashioned insulins like the human insulins used to take 30 to 60 minutes to start working. And then we brought in the analog rapid-acting insulins. And we know we have to inject those 15 to 30 minutes before we eat because it takes that long for them to get into the system. That is very good information to know because when I was first diagnosed, I was told you inject as you sit down. And if you forget, then it's fine straight afterwards. And it was only after I started wearing a flash glucose monitor that I could see that wasn't true. So now, do you have any magic tips or suggestions on how to make insulin timing less frustrating? I know injecting beforehand, but if you're at a restaurant or when you don't have a spare half hour, that doesn't really work. So... I think the most important thing to understand that insulin timing is very, very important. If you want to control your after-meal blood sugar spike, you have to get the timing right. There are other things that influence your after-meal blood sugar spike, but I think one of the things you want to know is if you're actively involved in your own diabetes care and you're trying to improve your blood sugar levels, so that means you're trying to manage your after-meal spike, if you don't understand the timing and the other factors, you work on the only other thing you get to play with, which is dose. And the dose does not dictate your after-meal blood sugar. What does that mean? Your dose does not dictate your after... What does your dose dictate then? It dictates where your blood sugar lands up three to four hours after your meal, but it doesn't tell you where you go in the next two hours. So the problem is because that's the only tool people know how to use, they Mm. keep adjusting their dose to fix a postprandial blood sugar spike, and then they go low later on because they just think, well, I need to inject more to fix the spike, but injecting more just makes you go low three to four hours later, which then leads you to having a snack and causing your next spike. So- And then you're on the roller coaster. Exactly. So what you wanna do is know what factors actually lead to the thing you're trying to solve for, which is where do my blood sugars go in my one to two hours after eating? How quickly are they climbing? And how quickly does that glucose exit my system? So timing is number one. Number two would be the glycemic impact of the carbohydrate that you're eating. So that is, You'll all, everyone who wears a CGM knows this, that all carbohydrates are not created equal. So you can eat a carbohydrate that gets into your blood sugar really, really fast, and another person can eat that same carbohydrate and gets in a lot slower. The fortunate thing is that most people have the same kind of response to the same foods repetitively. So you can kind of figure out what works for you. And you have to factor that in. And the way to factor it in is not with a dose adjustment, it's with a timing adjustment. Or if you're even stricter about it than that, if you eat that thing five times and you can't control it by fixing timing or dose, don't Mm. eat that thing because you will not cover it. Or put up with the fact that you're going to eat that thing, you're going to go high and you're going to have to do another correction an hour or two later to fix it. That's, That's where you're going. That's so interesting that you say that different people have different reactions to things because I can eat fruit and it's no problem. Thank the Lord, because I eat a lot of fruit, but I'm totally fine with it. And other people have said they absolutely cannot eat fruit, but they can eat other things. And I'm like, oh, no, no chance. If I try that, it won't work. Yeah, that's exactly right. But you can also do those experiments yourself and just keep trying different things. Yeah. 
So now I'm very excited about ultra rapid acting insulin coming to South Africa this year. I want to know, is this just going to solve insulin timing? I'm hoping you say yes. Does it mean we can oh. inject as we sit down? Is it one less thing we have to think about? Yes, I think it is, because I think the hardest thing in postprandial insulin is the timing. I think it's the one, and, and you mentioned it in your introduction, every single one of those people said there's too many factors to consider. I'm hungry. I don't have time. I forgot. It's now too yep. late. Now what do I do? So unless you're unbelievably disciplined and you're willing to sit there and wait another 15 or 30 minutes, this is going to solve that problem because it solves the convenience problem. Being diabetic and doing diabetes behaviors is inconvenient at the best yeah. of times. And yeah. having to do it multiple times a day because we eat multiple times a day, it's a nightmare. So yes, the convenience of being able to inject a much faster acting insulin that starts working quicker, reaches its peak quicker and gets out of your system quicker, that's exactly what we want. What kind of timing are we talking about? So is it literally I inject and it starts working that minute or how does it work? Well, it starts getting into your system within a few minutes, but half of the dose is going to be there usually in the first 15 minutes. Whereas wow. currently half the dose gets there after 30 minutes. So it, yeah. it's almost twice as fast. And that's great. So they've modified the molecule and, and got a couple of chaperones to go in with it to en enhance the absorption. There were old-fashioned hacks that people used to use, like rubbing your site after an injection or putting a heating yeah. pad on it to increase the blood supply to the area. Those all worked, actually. So you can still use them. But I think what we want to go back to is like, the game we're trying to win here is how do I get my blood sugars doing what I think they should be doing after a meal? So obviously, timing is one. But then there's what food choices are you making? Are you making food choices that are likely to give you good, better blood sugars than not? And what are your injection sites looking like? But you can have the best acting insulin with the best behaviors. And if you inject into a lump, you can throw it all away because all yeah. your predictability just went out the window. So I think food choices, portion sizes, timing, and sites are probably the top four things you want to work on to get after-meal yeah. blood sugar control. And then the last one is if you're lucky enough to have a flash glucose monitoring device or an intermittently scanned CGM or CGM, you have to factor in the rate and direction of change. What you're trying to do is you're trying to play a game in the future. So you're moving diabetes care from reactive care to proactive care. You're doing things based on a decision that you know, this is what I predict is going to happen if I've made this food choice, this portion size, this dose calculation, and I inject at this time in this site, I'm expecting this to happen more often than not. You start relaxing a little bit because things aren't so much of a lucky packet. Um, because let's be honest, the variability in blood sugar is the hardest thing. The unpredictability of, I just did this, I did this yesterday, I did it last week, and now I'm getting a completely different response is yeah. very, very frustrating. You want to optimize and take away as many of the factors that are going to create variability as possible. And timing is one of them, and being able to inject right before a meal is one of them. So what you want to do is you're aiming for a target two to three to four hours from now, because that's when this insulin dose is going to be finished working. It'll be out of the system, and your blood sugar should be back to where you want it, and you're going to carry on just on your basal insulin. So that's the game you're playing. You're playing in front of you. So you want to have all of those things set and primed and ready, because once you've done that injection, you can't change the outcome again. What you've just done is going to play out over the next three to four hours. And with the ultra-rapid acting, does it still last three to four hours or is it out of your system quicker? Yep, it works three to four hours. No, well, you believe that the current insulins only last three to four. They don't. They last up to five to eight, depending on the dose. Okay, so the ultra-rapid acting will start within 15 minutes and it'll last three to four hours. 
What yeah. I love about this approach is that, as you say, it's taking the variability out of it, but it also, to me, is taking out that potential for burnout because I can tell you there is nothing more frustrating and disempowering and demotivating than eating the right food and being careful about your injection like where you're injecting and timing it right and then you get a totally whack number and it is difficult to continue being disciplined if you're not getting the numbers that you want whereas if we're taking out more and more variability then you're more likely to get the numbers that you want and then on the days that you want to have pizza or something that is impossible to dose for it's less of a big deal because you've got this like stable background the rest of the time so the one other thing I want to ask about is correcting highs. I didn't even think about that until I was preparing these questions. But if it's ultra-rapid acting and you've miscalculated your dose and you've gone high after eating, it'll start correcting it immediately rather than like 90 minutes later. Yeah, well, no, it's still peak glucose lowering effect is 60 to 90 minutes later. So that, that is still going to happen, but it will happen a little bit quicker. But now also you've got to be a little bit more careful because what you notice is that some people might be already on their way down by the, take the time they take the additional correction dose. And then that just drives their blood sugar much lower. Okay. So you're right. I mean, it's, it, it shortens the time frame in which you expect your blood sugar to get, to get back to normal from a high. But the expectation is still to get back to normal in three hours, not in one or two hours. If you're back to normal in one or two hours, you've still got 30 to 40 percent of that insulin left to work. You're going to go low. Okay. Yeah. You've got to change your time horizon in which you're trying to achieve targets. Yeah, that makes sense. I am very excited to try it. One last question. What makes your life sweet? My life sweet? Mm -hmm. Well, the thing that makes my life sweet is actually dedicating it to understanding diabetes. Diabetes for me is one of the most challenging and complicated processes. And what I find is that most people living with diabetes have never been taught all the skills and knowledge that they require to self-manage their condition. Because it is a self-management yeah. condition, they've never been taught all of the hacks that you need to win mm -hmm. this game. And it is winnable. It, it is playable and you can get to live a long and healthy life if you apply the rules. But many people never get taught the rules and they never get put in an environment where they can safely test and experiment and play. And that's what I think flash glucose monitoring and, and CGM have allowed us to really get a window into how to play this game and what's happening inside your body. Um, but really, it's about understanding as much as I can to get the education and knowledge out there that helps people living with diabetes do a better mm -hmm. job because they've got better knowledge and better uh, skills. I love it. Thank you so much. And I love that attitude also of it being a game and playing and experimenting because I think so often as type ones particularly, but as anyone with diabetes, it can be easy to beat ourselves up when we mess up, when we like make the wrong calculation or eat the wrong thing or give the wrong dose. And then that just turns into this horrible blame and shame spiral, right? Whereas if you look at it as a game and an experiment and learning the rules and learning new hacks, that makes the whole thing more lighthearted. Yeah, exactly. And it is too challenging to get this right every day. Remember, we're dealing with a physiology that took a few hundred thousand years to develop the eyelets. Um, they do an amazingly good job for you when they're working. It's amazing. Those things were designed to do a very specific job. And when they're not working, you've got a lot of work to do to take over from those things. Yeah. Um, so you need as many tools and tips and tricks as you can to, to get that job well, done. Well, thank you so much for sharing these tips with us today. I feel like I learned something new every time I speak to you and I really appreciate your time. No, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen today and invite you to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. It's such a pleasure to be able to spend this time with you and I really appreciate it. I'm sure your diabetes management appreciates it too. Big thanks to Lily for sponsoring this season of South Africans with Diabetes. 
Lily is the leading provider of insulin in South Africa, supporting people with diabetes through high-quality, affordable products. Lily unites caring with discovery to create medicines that make life better for people around the world. This podcast comes to you from Sweet Life Diabetes Community. We are South Africa's largest online diabetes community, a space to connect with other people living with diabetes, share tips, and offer advice. Our website, sweetlife.org.za, has all the diabetes info you need, all in one place. We're like the Diabetes Wikipedia of South Africa. We offer expert advice that's easy to understand and written just for you. Whether you're looking for the latest news and updates on diabetes in South Africa, tips to manage your condition better, meal plans and diabetes-friendly recipes, exercise suggestions, or how to lose weight, we have an expert answer for you. We also have free e-books to download, a diabetes cookbook, diabetes guidebook, and a healthy food guide. Most importantly, we have a community of people with diabetes who understand what it's like to live with the condition every day. We're all in this together.